Welcome to Jumping Around, a steeplechase podcast from thisishorseracing.com, launched in April 2017. I'm Joe Clancy. We'll bring your conversations with guests who take part in American jump racing. There'll be owners, trainers, jockeys, race meet directors, historians, anyone we can convince to sit down for a few minutes and talk. The momentum for this podcast came from Charlie Fenwick. He's a former trainer and amateur rider, and he's chairman of the Shawan Downs Races in Maryland. He listens to a lot of podcasts about racing, sports, politics, anything else that comes along. He tells me there's a podcast about squash, the game, not the vegetable. Steeple chasing could use a podcast, he told me one day on the phone. I agree, and we'll see where it all goes and bring you stories that celebrate the horses and people and places in the sport. You can read more and find previous episodes at thisishorseracing.com, our online home, and the successor to our newspaper, Steeplechase Times, which published from 1994 through 2012. If you've gone anywhere on the steeplechase circuit, from Aiken to Geneseo, Nashville to Fairhill, you've seen Irv Naylor's green, white, and gold silks. Naylor has won the last three National Steeplechase Association owner championships and six of the last seven. His horses Ronak and Dawalan won, have won the last two Eclipse Awards as champion steeplechasers, following the stable's Blackjack Blues in 2011. If you want numbers, Naylor holds the record for single-season earnings by an owner with 997,600 earned last year and is second on the all-time list with 6.3 million behind only Augustan Stable. Safe to say that Naylor and his wife Diane campaigned the deepest stable on the circuit and they've been fortunate enough to win most of the sport's important races, if not all. I didn't go all, but I uh, took a good look and uh, won the Maryland Hunt Cup twice, Virginia Gold Cup five times, Iroquois three times, Colonial Cup twice, Carolina Cup, Grand National, Temple Guathme, and more. Today's stable is based mainly with trainer Cyril Murphy on Naylor's Stillwater Farm in Maryland, but the horses can be seen uh, all over the circuit and with other trainers in other states, and uh, again, a big part of the steeplechase circuit. And Irv, forgive me if I left out any major races, but uh, it's an impressive list no matter how you look at it. Everybody starts somewhere, and you certainly weren't a leading owner at the beginning of all this. How did you get into racing and steeplechasing? Well, Joe, um, how did I get into steeplechasing is uh, an awfully long story because um, it really harked back to the time when um, I got my first amateur steeplechase jockey license in 1953. And um, Mikey Smithwick trained my first steeplechase horse, whose name was Village Gossip. And um, I came in third on Village Gossip at the, my lady's manor in that year. Then went to the University of Miami and... Uh, not a lot of steeplechasing in Miami. No, not, not much steeplechasing. He got it, I say that he got it in the way. Uh, and I wasn't until I returned to York, Pennsylvania, many years later, that I was involved actively in the riding and racing again. I held a license to ride until 1999. When I was riding in the Grand National at Butler, Maryland, and on my horse, Emerald Action, who, went to, who fell with me, and I, from that I became a paraplegic. Uh, but I never lost my interest in owning horses, only sorry that I could not race or ride them again. I was fortunate to have enjoyed fox hunting here and in England and Ireland and in organizing trips for friends and family to Hungary, Spain, and Ireland. What is it about the horse? What do you like about the horse? Well, my approach to racing 
changed from timber to hurdles when the IRS said that I had better earn some money um, as they considered it an interest in steeplechasing as a hobby. Imagine. <laughs> and not a business. Ironically, my first hurdle horse was named Tax Ruling. <laughs> <laughs> so we, the, the IRS did something and, smart. And he, and he did make money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Tax Ruling ended up winning two Iroquois and uh, was one of the top hurdle horses in the country for, oh, probably five or six seasons, really. Yes, that's yeah. true. He did very well. It was, a, it, was, it was meant to be then. The IRS made it happen. Yes, uh, <laughs> made in heaven. Um, I was lucky enough to be the leading owner of Purses One in uh, five out of seven years, or six out of seven years. Uh, I forget, and it also moves on from time to time. Um, I didn't necessarily plan to beat Augustine Stable, but uh, it just turned out that way. <laughs> that was never a, a predetermined goal, but it was. It just happened to turn out that way. It's a tricky game to set real goals in because yeah. uh, you know because they are animals, and you never really know from one year yeah. how things might turn out, which is half the fun. Yeah, and uh, my favorite race meet, without question, is the Maryland Hunt Cup. Um, the longest it's four miles. Nothing else is that long. The biggest fences, five feet, and there's nothing else that are the uh, constant five feet. And the most challenging, difficult. Um, we are pleased to have rid- I've ridden it several times, and I'm very pleased to have finished it twice. Yeah, and you mentioned Mikey Smithwick early on. Uh, his record in that and the record of some of the other big names, I mean, they still stand up today, which and everybody oh, yeah. goes back to it. Yes. Now, no doubt about it. Those are the many of the bulwarks of the steeplechasing. Yeah. Particularly Mikey Smithwick. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, older horses that um, I have been fortunate to have had three Eclipse Award winners, Blackjack Blue, Dalwin, and Ask Me, Make Me a Chant. Wow. Ask Them and Make Me a Champ. Both Hunt Cup winners, uh, Albanor and Salem, and other great horses that I've had in my time. Been very lucky to have them. Yeah, Salmo, I remember, and uh, and certainly Rolnak last year. And the horses now train on the farm. Do you get a chance to go watch training and, and see the horses? Which, obviously, that's a, another benefit. I mean, we have the weekend races, but to go see them on the farm has got to be just as much fun. No, that's absolutely a lot of fun. And I get out uh, from time to time. Cyril will usually come in and say, uh, "Irv, I plan to, I plan to uh, take a line of fences on uh, Wednesday morning at uh, nine o'clock," and I'll say, "That's great. I'll be out to watch them." Oh, that's neat. And so I go out and get to watch them go. Yeah, because at the root, it's everybody wants to win races, but at the root level, it's it's the animals. It's the love of the of the of the competitive horse, really. For, yes. That's why anybody does this. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep, that's for true. The, the love of the competitive horse. That's a great way to put it, Joe. Yeah, because, uh, and, and again, I try to, when I take people for the first time, I always try to get them to think 
what the horse is thinking. Like it's a little more than just yeah. athletics. They gotta be. They they gotta think it through, which is uh, again kind of fun. You guys import a lot of horses from England and Ireland. You know, is that a strategy or is it just how it's kind of worked out? That's not really a strategy. That's just kind of as it worked out. We'd find an occasional horse that we really liked. We'd bring it over. There was no great strategy to bring one every five years or one every three years or anything like that. Right. Yeah, and face it, those horses are bred for it a little more than our American flat horses, So, uh, and they come with some experience. You don't have to start at zero like, uh, like some right, people yeah. would with a horse. You have to teach them to jump and that kind of thing. You guys uh, have been lucky enough to have some very good horses. Is there, you know, is there one in the last four or five years that sticks out um, that, that might be a favorite or, or a reason why they would be a favorite? A Ronak last year certainly was so dominant and got plenty of headlines, had people talking about England and other things. And, uh, you know, what's it like to own a horse that is at the top of the game like that? Well, it's a great thrill, and it's a great disappointment when something happens. He's a good example of that. He was the absolute top of his game, and then he was unable to go to England. And that was a crushing blow to Diane and I and our whole team because we had all planned to go there. We had all planned to support him. We had all planned to be there. And a dozen people or more had contacted me, and we had made some additional plans for ourselves and other friends. Yeah, you were going to end up sharing Rollneck with a lot of people if you went to England. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was, again, fun. You see people sort of get on board, you know, and, and uh, you know, may, maybe he could contend. And he did contend with uh, uh, some very top-class horses. Horses from Ireland came over and took him on at the Iroquois, and horses from England came over and took him on at the Grand National. And it proved that uh, a horse in American steeplechasing can be that good, which was fun to see. Well, of course it can, plus the fact that we beat most of them. Yeah. They came over here. And they were going to whip us? Wrong. <laughs> we, we whipped them. That's, the, yeah. That's fantastic. And, uh, and I know he's on the sidelines now, but the champion from uh, 2015, Dawalan, is back in training. Yep. And uh, where uh, Cyril Murphy told me, obviously, the Iroquois is the big goal. But uh, how about for you to see him come back after missing last year? What's that like? Oh, that's going to be a great thrill. If we can get him back, that'll be a super thrill if we can do it. And it'll be great for the horse. I mean, just think, there's the horse that's on the top of his game. He had a very serious markdown from that, and now he's able to come back to it. I mean, that really just puts him right on the top of his game. Yeah. No, and it's fun to see those horses get a chance. I mean, he was he was certainly good, and and same thing. He had a, had a tendon injury, misses a year, but is able to come back. And uh, hopefully the Iroquois will be sitting there, and uh, if he can show that speed he showed two years ago, he certainly belongs. Yeah. Yeah, fun to see. Uh, you mentioned Cyril Murphy earlier. What uh, what role does he play in all this? Oh, he's a, a vital clog in our wheel of success. If we've had any success, I'd attribute 80% of that to Cyril. He's very thoughtful. He's very inquisitive. He's very good in seeking other horses and finding other horses for us. And he's very good at training. That is his business. And he's uh, as good a trainer as I've ever had and probably ever will have. Yeah, he's a very savvy guy. I like I like talking to him to get him 
he, you can tell he's thinking about his horses probably 24 hours a day, but yeah. uh, you get a chance to talk to him, and, he, and he's thought it through on an individual level with pretty much every horse you talk to him about. Yeah. Yeah, which, is a, which I think you have to, you have to do. Um, I know he does some work there at the farm. Uh, some horses get a chance to swim in the pond and do some other stuff there too. Yeah, and he often takes them down and leads them around the, the pontoon pond, and um, that works out beautifully. It, when the ground is hard, it really is fabulous to be able to take them in there. And they give a, a couple of roofs around that one bit of the, of the, of the pontoon that we have out there. And um, I always figure that it would take one time to go around the pond. Uh, no, not around the pond, around the um, pontoon that's out there. I always figured it was a half a mile of galloping. And so if you'd give them two times around there, that'd be the equivalent of a mile. Now, if you want to preparing for a four-hour, four-mile race, you'd get, you, you'd get dizzy. You'd get, <laughs> you'd get dizzy. That'd be about right. But it would be a fabulous experience for them. Uh, yeah, it's and a great see, way to get them fit. Yeah, you see horses come out of that. They, they they're blowing. They they did some real exercise and uh, and and yeah, it's got to be a nice a a change of pace for the horse and b it keeps them off some of the hard ground and things like that too. Yeah. Well, you've seen them. Yeah. 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 I'm the parent of a swimmer too, so I see how hard he works. So <laughs> I, I, I know I know what matters and it take, it makes a difference. Um, I mean, timber racing would have been your first. Love and all this. Uh, we've got a few timber horses coming out this year. I see Ebenor back in the entries and uh, s- some others hopefully coming on. Yeah, we have a couple. And is the timber, that's what you did mainly riding. Why does timber appeal to you? What do you like about it? Well, I always liked it because I could make the weight. <laughs> 165 Priorities. pounds. 165 <laughs> pounds I could make. I mean, these guys who were riding on the flat we're carrying 120 125 pounds i could cut off a leg and couldn't make no. that and they make it look easy it's kind oh, of <laughs> i know but that ain't for me no i'd have to give too much of myself up for that not for a lot of people well shift gears a little bit you've been in the game since uh the 50s and you've seen a lot uh if you woke up tomorrow and could change one thing about steeplechasing what would it be Oh, I think the one thing I would get would be bigger purses. There's no doubt about that. Um, the one thing that would really bring on along would be purses. Now, there's uh, some other things that would be nice, but um, the big things would be the steeplechase purses. Yeah, I mean, economics drives everything. So, And yeah. that's the first thing that would, would attract people, would attract new owners, new horses. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Trying to find it's the hard part. Yeah. The sport needs more visibility. For example, the um, many of the races are, are hardly known from anybody. The people just don't know what the Grand National is. Many people don't even know what the Maryland Hunt Cup is, and they're missing a wonderful opportunity to really get in and learn something about the sport. And uh, they draw tremendous crowds um, in uh, 16,000 is not unusual. Yeah, I mean, that part, it's in a, it's a day out, and you don't really yeah. have to know the horses. If you can come for the, come for the experience, I think people sort of get 
hooked, and it's probably yeah. the big challenge for race meets to get more people to there. Yep, that's for sure. And uh, the handicap system itself, although ha- it, it has improved, but uh, it's difficult. Darwin is currently top-weighted, but has been off for a year. He will carry the heavyweight running against horses who have been without injury and in full training when he comes back. That's going to be very difficult for him. Yeah, that's tricky. And, and again, it's probably at the root of it. If we, if you had more horses in the game, and which probably takes more purse money, you'd have more horses in the mix, and then it wouldn't be such a... He comes back, he's still the best as he was. You know, he looks like the best horse out there because of how good he was two years ago. You know, so it's tricky. And if you didn't own him, you probably wouldn't want to run against him. So. No, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to run against him. That's for sure, That's the Joe. tricky part. It's a balance, that's for sure. And uh, the game survives on uh, regional success and local success at the race meets. And, yeah. you know, at the end of it all, uh, it's got people playing the game like yourself with horses and trainers and jockeys and race meets and the charities that are involved and, and the history of it. I think that's probably the that, – to me, that's the most fun. And maybe it's because I'm – getting old enough to look, but you look back at the history yeah. of it all and how long people have been trying to win the Maryland Hunt Cup for 120 years, which is amazing to me. And uh, it still means that much to people. And Grand National that you've won at Far Hills goes back to the late 1800s. And it's just uh, the the history there. And there aren't many things that are that old these days. And uh, it makes a difference for sure. Fun to see. Um, I may have forgotten the names of old girlfriends and wives, etc. But I do remember my first pony's name. It was Ertz. <laughs> now, I don't think it was spelled Ertz, right? <laughs> no, it was Oats. And um, I couldn't say Oats when I was 10 years old. I could only say Ertz. And so we named the pony Ertz. Makes sense. As long as he came when you called him, that's the point. <laughs> uh, he never missed a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we've spent, uh, we've probably spent a good 20 minutes talking to you and, uh, thanks for your time and letting us in a little bit about what it's like to own Rolnack and Dawalan and some of these good horses. And maybe, uh, maybe some of us can get that lucky someday. Thanks for your time, Irv. And, uh, we'll have you back on jumping around some other time. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. And it's my privilege and honor to be here. Jumping Around is a production of ThisIsHorseRacing.com, an online source for original content about thoroughbred racing from the Steeplechase Circuit, Saratoga Racecourse, Fairhill Training Center, and more. Jumping Around is produced by Bob White at WYPR in Baltimore. Special thanks to Charlie Fenwick, WYPR's Tony Brandon, and our listeners and guests. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes by searching for This Is Horse Racing. Thanks for tuning in.